Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Business of Sport podcast on The Athletic. Mark Slater with us as usual. Coming up today, we're going to talk in the main about a piece that Matt has written about reports that UEFA are thinking about scrapping the two-legged Champions League semi-finals that we're all enjoying at the moment. We'll touch on on Russia as well and we'll touch on Chelsea a little bit later. But these rumours about UEFA's plans are what's going to dominate the pod. And if I was being cynical, Matt, which regular listeners might think I am, I may suggest this is all about money. (laughs) Of course it's all about money. That's what we talk about on this podcast. and It's what makes the world go round. Yeah, so uh, just to remind listeners... Uh, do you remember 2020, the pandemic and all that? Yeah, they did a final eight tournament. I, I think I'd almost forgotten that yeah. uh, when they when they when they stalled the season and they restarted and they had both European club competitions to finish, and they finished the Europa League in Germany and they finished the Champions League in Portugal, and they did it basically over about 12, 13 days, I think it was, and they squeezed four quarters. Two semis and a final in. Single ties. Not the usual two-leg thing. And look, we're all watching at home. We'd all been deprived of football for a while and it went quite well. The games were good. You know, no, no fans in the, in the in the stadiums. The players liked it. The club seemed to like it. The broadcasters were happy. It, it went well. And it got people thinking, well, hold on a minute. Should we try and create... Maybe not a final eight. That'd be too many, maybe. Too many clubs, too many, not enough hotel beds and all that. But how about a final four? Because then we could create an event. We could make it a week-long festival. And we've had all this sort of idea of of opening ceremonies and squeezing in concerts and other events, right? In the same way that the Americans are perceived to do. Now, they actually don't do it with many sports. They do it with college basketball, the final four. Literally called the the final four. It's trademarked in the States. That, that that name. And there is this sort of idea that the NFL are doing it with the Super Bowl. You know, they're, they're creating a week-long series of events in the same place, create a bit of a buzz. You have to remember it's all about the European Super League as well. It's all sort of reacting to that. Well, look, the, the big clubs almost left. They almost left us. We've got to give them more money. We have to keep thinking of ways of creating more revenue. So about a year ago, off the back of it being perceived to go well in 2020 and that European Super League piece... UEFA president Alexander Seferin started saying, yeah, I quite like the idea of a Final Four. We should we should have a look at that. And then guys like Nasser Al-Khalifi, who is now the boss of the European Club Association, runs PSG, also runs B in Sports, saying not quite the same things, but similar. Yeah, 2020 went quite well. My guys, PSG, we were there. We quite liked it. I really like the Super Bowl, the buzz of the Super Bowl. And you sort of put those two things together and you've got an idea. And that's sometimes all it takes. Now, my piece actually is about how once I've actually gone round and asked everybody, it's all the, that if those are the, pro, the pros, if you like. The cons are long. 
Do fans want it? Do broadcasters want it? Do sponsors want it? Uh, what city has enough hotel beds? Think about the kind of security and safety implications. Losing those two amazing home ties where you get to have more of your fans there, best games of the season, blah, blah, blah. So the piece sort of started off with the premise of the idea, which is definitely out there, has definitely been discussed in public by important people and in private by marketing people. And then there's this sort of long list of, of no's and no ways. Some of those extra pros that are in this article that Matt has written, which you can you can read on, on The Athletic, says that the week-long festival of football could comprise the two men's semi-finals. There could be the youth final, could be a women's final, the gigs, the uh, a game involving legends. Uh, and in Matt's words, anything else, the events and marketing departments can squeeze in before eventually finishing with the men's final. And so we can discuss those pros and cons a little bit more. Ricardo Fort joins us. He has over 25 years' experience in the sports industry, leading the global sponsorship teams of Visa and the Coca-Cola company, and Ricardo launched Sport by Fort Consulting to help sponsors, leagues, investors, and athletes successfully invest in sports. Do you think, in the main, thank you very much for joining us, Ricardo, that brands want more than a game now? Everything has to be an event. Yes, absolutely. The brands, they need more than the game. Of course, the importance of the distribution in media and all the broadcasting of the matches is, is very important, provides great visibility, but the opportunities to do more beyond the game are, are very, very valuable for, for the sponsors, today's sponsors and the future sponsors. When we talk about more beyond the game, if we, if we think of a, a visible Champions League sponsor, they get Break bumpers in and out of any commercial TV that that show it on a on a rotation. They get the advertising hoardings digitally on a rotation. They get their logos on the boards behind managers pre and post match and players for their interviews. What more do they want and do they gain from by having, say, a whole week of football? The most visible opportunity are the um, hospitality programs that they can set up for their customers, consumers, guests in general. It is uh, hard to bring people to a location just for one match. So when I compare the uh, interest for potential guests of hospitality program for a FIFA World Cup, semifinals, quarterfinals, final week, um, it's usually greater than traveling somewhere for one single match. And I think by, that by combining all of that, from having more um, interesting, fun things to do during a few more days, uh, these uh, sponsors will be able to, you know, to convince their customers to come and spend time with them and, and have a hospitality program where they can entertain them, they can spend time with them. That helps to build relationships and eventually leads to more, to more business. So that's the, probably the, the most visible part of, um, of all. But if you have other activities, more entertainment activities, you can also appeal to a different target audience. You can talk to younger people that might not be uh, as interested to watch a 90 or 120 minute match. So there are different things that the sponsors are looking for. And this potential solution, uh, it's uh, is something that may work for a lot of them. Ricardo, I mean, I, I, it's really interesting that you explain it that way, because that's 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 what I'm hearing. That That is the equation, right? 
but I know you don't have the numbers in front of you, so it's a bit of an unfair question I'm going to ask you. But what came back to me quite loudly was, okay, like in theory, a final four week with events. Yeah, I can see how that would increase, certainly commercial income. And, you know, you have the Jeopardy thing and maybe broadcasters would like it. However, what you are losing, are you losing two semifinals, right? And, and you're losing two semifinals where the clubs get the income, right? big ticketing revenues, and they get to do all those cool, lovely things that, you, that you've just explained with their sponsors. You know, the you know, Champions League semifinal is pretty much the best game a club can put on. So it's that taking away, and then also the broadcasters lose two games as well. So can you imagine, can you sort of sketch out in your head how you replace, how you compensate for the loss of those two bumper home fixtures plus two broadcast games with this week of sport? Do you think the week of sport can, can beat the, the losing the two home cup semi, uh, semifinals? I think this is possible. Um, but the question here for me is, is the barrier for making this happen money? Because if it is, then the discussion turns into, okay, how can I compensate you for the value that you're going to lose? Because, you know, the clubs playing the semifinal, they are going to lose value. Some sponsors that are looking for the visibility provided by the broadcasting are going to lose value. So if that's the case, so there is a price for that. So that's one conversation. Uh, the conversation that I hear more often is, uh, this is a bad idea because it's not worth it. It's not, uh, people don't need it. And, you know, that's a questionable discussion. And, you know, there are different points of view here. But, but I think that uh, if UEFA wants to move forward with it, there is a form of providing additional value uh, to the clubs that reach the semifinal, either through prizes or through other opportunities during the competition, whatever, whatever it takes more exposure to make sure that that works. But having said that, I think a final four week or a week long of events, it's easier to think about it with semifinals and final, but it's not necessarily the only solution. Because if you think about the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl has become, has grown into a week-long celebration, and it's one game. So there are different ways of, of doing this. But I, but I think that uh, UEFA is pushing, is pushing the right discussion. So let's have a conversation about this and you know, engage with the clubs, engage. You know, we, are, we are recording today in, in the week of the, of the second leg of the Champions League you know, semifinals, right? I cannot think about not having what we're having this week. But, you know, if UEFA wants to try this, they should continue the conversation and pushing the dialogue with the clubs and, and sponsors. The NFL Super Bowl becoming a week, because that has come up, right? And everyone knows about the halftime show. And there's this theory that does the halftime show actually bring fresh audience or does it retain it for that period where most people would rush the loo or make a cup of tea or coffee? There's, you know, that's questionable. But it's certainly something that's talked about. It's, it's a, it's a, you know, an appointment to view, kind of, and it garners a lot of conversation in the days before. Is that attempt to create a week out of the Super Bowl, is it actually working? Can you, with your old hats on, tell me that there's something worthwhile happening on the Wednesday and the Tuesday before the big game? Well, you have to separate the audiences. So if you are this is living in this very small bubble of, you know, sports marketing sponsors world, yeah, of course, because there's a lot of activities and people in town I, I, I was lucky enough to be living 
in San Francisco when the Super Bowl happened in San Francisco. I live in Atlanta today when the Super Bowl happened a couple of years ago. And there are a lot of events for the public, open events for the public, ticketed events for the public. So it's an unusual week where, you know, concerts and parties and a lot of things are happening in, in the city. A lot of people come to the city. So I, I think, yes, uh, the NFL managed to create enough you know, content and, and events and, and things to talk about during that week in that city that um, you know, justify saying this is a week-long celebration. Football, though, is so far off being able to do, you know, for a whole variety of reasons. That I, like, I, I have covered eight Super Bowls in, in America, okay? So, firstly, the atmosphere is unbelievable in a host city for a Super Bowl because fans of all 32 teams turn up. And they don't tend to punch each other. If you have four men semifinal, four teams, men semifinals in one city, that isn't necessarily, we have to be brutal here, isn't going to necessarily produce the festival atmosphere that you get at the NFL, really. And, and the other thing with the Super Bowl is it is great for those fans, but the majority of events that kind of happen around a Super Bowl are all corporate hospitality. Most of those fans that you bump into in a bar and in a, you know, and in the street don't end up going to the party here and the party there. And, the, you know, then it becomes incredibly corporate. You are absolutely right. The atmosphere and the behavior of fans in, in football is very different from fans in American football. So we have to, having said that, there are many other events where you have fans from multiple teams, nations gathering in the same place. And, you know, it's possible and it's manageable. Of course, the, the the behavior of a fan of a club is not the same of a behavior of a fan of a, of the national team. So you have also take that into account. But but I don't think that the concern with violence should be a big influence in the decision. I think this is manageable and you know uh, uh, police and 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 should be able to take care of that. Let's put that aside for a second. And re regarding the, the, the kind of entertainment there is, you know, yes, you're right, because the Super Bowl is a corporate event. So a lot of the parties, a lot of the events are designed for people that are involved with it. Uh, I, I don't think that's necessary. So when you look at, let's just look at other sports. If you look at Formula One, what they are, what they've been doing more and more is creating events for the public. So that's probably a better reference for what football can uh, can 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 be in the in the days before um, but it's a, it's a complicated task for any organizer to set up in a week with fans coming in and out there's a lot of things going on and and obviously you're here for to, to talk to us from a sort of sponsors leagues investors point of view my you know i actually you know read matt's article and i think do you know what actually there are there are a lot of good ideas in a in a week-long festival and even greater exposure of a women's final and the and the youth final as well. I think, do you know what? This and a few gigs and this idea, this actually could be a really great week, a really great celebration. And then the other part of me goes, Well, hang on a minute. For these two legs of Manchester City Real Madrid and the two legs of Villarreal Liverpool, the majority of tickets have gone to the fans. Now, if you then have one, two one-off semifinals and a final, we already know ticket allocations for the final. Fans of the two clubs get a minimal amount, minimal allocation. So from the fan side of it, there would be great concern that fewer of them would be able to watch 
these games. Yes, you're right. And uh, for me, that reinforces the potential of doing more things beyond the game. Because the game, it is today a corporate event in its majority. It's not an exclusivity of the UEFA uh, Champions League final. It is, a, it is a, just a, a, nas- a normal you know, characteristic of any big event. Any big event is expensive. It's limited. It's, more corp- it's becoming more and more corporate. So the city that today hosts the final, it is hosting a lot of executives coming for the game already and a, a, you know, a tiny share of, uh, of, uh, of fans. Uh, so that's not going to be very different if you have no semifinals and final. Uh, but of course, again, the, the whole discussion will always go back to, you know, looking at every constituent of this final. Are they getting more value in this new format that they will be getting, that they are getting today? <laughs> and I think this is something, there's an equation that's very hard to balance in UEFA. If they want to move forward with this, they will have to think it through and talk to all of them to make sure that nobody's losing. Speaking of balances, and constituencies and Mark's question about fans. What I think this debate has again cast a big light on is one of the debates I think we're going to be talking about. We've already been talking about it a little bit in the past with things like kickoff times and preseason tours. But it's I think it's going to become one of the one of the most important conversations for football. It's which fan? Are we talking about the fan that you've had for a hundred years? The fan who lives half an hour from you can come I can physically sell you something and comes to see us and cheer and I have a relationship with you or or are you talking about the fam in Boston or I don't know Bangalore who loves my club as much as the guy down the road but I can't sell him anything not really so which fan and I think one of the things about this final four week which no one's really being honest about is it's to take it on the road. It's to take it abroad. It's to bring it to Atlanta, Ricardo. Yes, I'm being, I'm being, I'm yeah. being selfish. I'm being selfish because I want the final four here in Atlanta. But let's just, but, but let's just say you're a Liverpool fan. I don't, I don't know who you support. I, I know it doesn't really matter. But we see this in the comments of our pieces all the time, particularly at The Athletic, where we have a, you know, a, a multinational readership, but actually it's probably quite leaning towards the States. When we write about this stuff and we see the British fan go, oh, this is awful dreadful and then we get the american fans saying well hold on a minute uh this sounds all right a final four week in the states to a to a liverpool fan or a man united fan or a man city fan or any of those clubs real barca sounds great yeah it does it does and and if the football industry was going to be honest in answering this question they would tell you that the the fan that they are catering to are the fans that can attract more media dollars so the idea of my club, because I'm, I have, I was born and I grew up, you know, a couple of miles, a couple of kilometers from from where they are. Now, this is this is you know very uh, is romantic, but the reality is that you know UEFA, FIFA, you know all the big rights holders, they are carrying to the largest market that can attract the most dollars or you know euros or pounds uh, from from a media standpoint because that's what it's paying their bills. Now, just today, you know, just going back to the NFL, today the NFL announced three games in London, one game in Munich, one game. You know, if you ask a Seattle Seahawks fan if they are happy to have one of their very few games played in Europe, they would they would have the same reaction 
as a Liverpool fan being asked if they're happy to have their final, you know, the Champions League final in New York. But I think that's the nature of global sports. And I don't think that, you know, a final four or a Champions League final game, you no know, match would make any difference. We are all hypocritical, aren't we, in many ways? I mean, I, I, I don't want my football team over here to go play their home games anywhere other than, you know, where they are 20 minutes away from, from where I live. But do I want do I want the Bears to come over uh, and play at Tottenham or play at... Well, I don't at the moment because they're awful. But, I mean, well, if, they, if they get good again, then do I want the Bears to come over? Yeah, absolutely. But do you notice any brands taking into account the more community, localised fandom? And, and if you don't, is there an opportunity for maybe not the top-tier brands, but other brands to take opportunities away from the top tier clubs? That's a hard question because the brands that are capable, they have the resources to sponsor large clubs. They have global, regional, continental ambitions. So the idea of being local, it's, you know, it's, it's not why they would spend their money. Uh, having said that, I think that it's important if these brands want to connect authentically with the clubs, that they also have initiatives for the community, for the fans that live around the club, because that will give them you know, credibility. They'll make them accepted. They'll make different things. But um, no, it's really hard. I mean, when I, when I was doing these kinds of jobs, managing investments for sponsors, scale was always the first measure of you know, success for a sponsorship. If you cannot make it in 100 countries, then there is no point in doing it. So you, you really have to, to think about solutions that can, you know, that can scale multi-country globally if possible. Do you sense as well, and another reason going back to this Champions League week and talking about a women's final being in the same, in the same week as, as the men's, do you sense that, that brands in particular, but stakeholders in general, sense an opportunity with the women's game? at the moment to realize that opportunity do they need it to be sharing the same stage as the men's final well some of the recent results of you know attendance in europe for women's games show that that's not necessary but that's a very top top of the pyramid i think that in general uh, not speaking specifically about a final because the final is going to attract you know interest and attendance no matter what but the the women's game still needs you know a lot of support from the men's side and the more you can make the you know the men's game attract and drive interest for the women's game the better it's going to be on an ongoing basis not necessarily only for the final i mean the final you know, will always be you know great for the women's side and i don't think it's needed to be combined but you know if you have a week long to you know to to fill your schedule maybe that's a solution as well this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is a paid advertisement from Better Health Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athletic football with no spaces. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ricardo, changing the subject slightly, but, but staying with UEFA, uh, one of the other, you know, kind of big stories of not just the last week, but, you know, the last few months has been Russia for obvious reasons. And in the last week, we've had confirmation finally that basically Russia's being exiled from certainly European football for for the foreseeable future. Now, I wonder with again with your with your expertise in this area, what you think that means? I mean, we know about Gazprom, and you know that's that was a big big sponsorship for UEFA, and obviously is on the shirt of a few clubs as well. What does UEFA do? with something like that you know do you think it will be very very easy just to go out in the market and say it's all right everyone wants to be associated with the champions league this isn't really a hit or is there going to be i mean that might be true as well that might be true but is there then though well hold on a minute there's still an awful lot of football fans in russia we have to remember that and they like hosting things we have to remember that what's the impact of of Russia's new status on, on European football and sport more generally, really? Well, I think it, it depends from a, from a brand standpoint, it depends uh, which are the, the companies and industry sectors that you ask. So there are, there are industries that Russia is very important. So if you think consumer goods in general, Russia is a big market. So it's so the companies are concerned. They're looking what's happening and the impact go, of course, way beyond sports. For others, it's irrelevant. Uh, so if you think about there are other segments where their industries don't play in a meaningful way in Russia. So they really don't care about it. In my opinion, the sports industry is not yet doing enough to put pressure on Russia. There are going to be some uh, uh, some unintended consequences of putting pressure on Russia. 
So banning Russian national teams uh, to play, it's the easiest solution. Then you have to ask yourself, are you, is it fair to ban the athletes? In my opinion, yes, it is. It is fair. I don't think any Russian athlete should be playing in any international event in any sport today. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's uh, uh, a disservice that some uh, rights holders are doing, allowing that to happen. And I see this here in my in my backyard. And I look at uh, the NHL, the NHL, the National Hockey League in the United States. Uh, it's full of Russians playing. Well, some people argue that's not fair to to punish a Russian player that has been playing in the United States. But if this is all the sports industry has at its disposal to put pressure on Russia, so be it. So. Yes, so we, we should we should ban teams, we should plan national teams, we should plan federations, we should plan administrators, we should plan athletes. I think I think every everyone in sports connected to Russia should feel the pressure of sports as a way to, you know, in a small way, to influence the way they think. And you know that that for sponsors is a you know it's it's price of doing business in sports. The sponsors will look at it and they they will not complain. They will understand. I think most of them. But some sponsors might argue that it's highly unfair to blame an individual for the actions of a state. I, I agree with you. It is very unfair. The question for me is, what is more unfair or less fair? Is it a uh, the war or punishing an athlete? So I I don't think that we are comparing things in a normal in a normal way it's not, uh, punishing an athlete is always unfair and i'm i feel bad for them most of them have nothing to do with it and they are victims as much as everybody else or as much as most of uh, of us but having said that i think that we have uh, sports has very little the very few tools at its disposal to put pressure and athletes are very visible and athletes you know they you know once they are and I would say punished, uh, but once they are suspended from sport, uh, that sends a message that you know, the world of sport will not tolerate what's what's happening. So I think it, it it calls for some extreme measures, and that's an unfortunate one for some individuals. Before we let you go, I just want to ask you about the World Cup in, in Qatar uh, in November and December. Obviously, I mentioned at the top a couple of the brands that you've worked heavily with, Coca-Cola and Visa, in, in the past. What are the challenges of this World Cup? For, for FIFA's brand partners? The main challenge is one that most people are not talking about, which is the importance of a host market is very large for any sponsor. So when you host a FIFA World Cup in a market, in a country that has a lot of business, that's great for the, the brands because you know Brazil is a big market. Russia was a big market. South Africa is an important market. Well, North America into 2026 is fantastic. Um, and if you go back, you know, if the, the countries are in general big countries that are important for all the sponsors. Qatar, it's not the case. Qatar is very small. Qatar is a is a is an operation that is very small for every sponsor, no matter how you look. So that alone has a big business impact in the business of all the sponsors. Of course, it's easier and it's more in the surface, more in your face to talk about other problems that Qatar has from a reputation standpoint. But from a business standpoint, that's the number one concern, the concerns that most companies have today is, you know, I'm losing a lot of business there. It is a concern in the short term, but, you know, because most of the FIFA sponsors, they are there for the long term, 
they know that they're going to get more than their their return in the next one. So they are they're not talking a lot about it. But you know, in general, if you just look at this next four years, this four year cycle, it's going to be a challenge for. Uh, return on investment for every sponsor. I've got one last one, Ricardo. It's, a, it's another sort of topical story. It's another one that's been a bit of a saga. It's run for a few weeks. It's Russia-related. It's football. It's Chelsea. Now, I don't, I don't want to ask you a question that's outside your comfort zone, like who's going to, you know, who's going to end up owning them. But just the sponsorship angle there. So, so one of the stories from a couple of months ago was that three, the shirt sponsor, you know, a mobile phone company. I don't want to be associated. And various sponsors said the same thing. But they're, they're still on the shirt front. They've, they've, they almost got the positive, you know, boost, the halo effect of, oh, taking the, the honourable stance. But they're still getting the eyeballs of, uh, of, of, of you know, being being caught on camera. And they're, they're still there on the shirt. What do you make of that? It is hypocritical for, you know, most people involved with Chelsea. And when I say most people, I say, you know, the sponsors, the suppliers, the players, the staff, employees, everyone. When you sign up to work with Chelsea, you know what you're doing. No, you know who owns, you knew who owned uh, Chelsea. So you were saying, I'm okay with all of that. And it was okay for some time. So you, you know, everybody took their decisions, including sponsors, knowing what they are getting into. Now, with everything that is happening, to look surprised, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's interesting to see the reaction of some sponsors. Uh, if they had such a big problem with Russia, they should not be involved with anyone that you know, is funded, is owned by anything Russia-related. And um, sponsors made their decisions knowing what, you know, who the owner was, and, and, and now they, they shouldn't be complaining about that. So I think, I think it's, it's more of a PR exercise than anything else we know that the the guys that want to buy it pretty americans basically and they see the value do you think the sort of things like the chelsea shirt front is undervalued do you think do you think an american investor there will be thinking right well i'm gonna i'm gonna run this club properly now you know i'm gonna i'm proper return on investment here and that means massively right raising the uh, commercial revenue would you would you like to do that deal at what price yeah that's the question because of course, Chelsea is one of the most important, you know, sports brand in the world. Uh, but there is also, you know, it's a it's a vanity purchase because making money with a football club that competes at this level is very hard. And you know, Chelsea's you know, team's um, job is very it's very complicated because they are selling sponsorships and they are competing hand in hand with a lot of other clubs that have other offers. I spoke recently with you know, five of the top you know, EPL clubs for you know, representing one of my, my, my clients. And you know, when, you, when you look side by side what they are offering, it's very similar. Um, so being differentiated. And so the idea of I'm going to buy this, I'm going to fix this, I'm going to make a lot more money. I, I don't think that's realistic. Absolutely fascinating to talk to you, Ricardo, on, on many subjects. Thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. A pleasure. Thanks, Ricardo. Right, that's it. Don't forget now you can subscribe for just a pound a month. Head to theathletic.com slash football pod, and then you'll be able to uh, read Matt's great article on there. Thanks for listening. The Athletic.